Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. What is the world coming to? I've heard countless people ask me this question over the years, and many of you in one form or another have asked me this question over the last two weeks. And of course, it's not really a question. No, what is the world coming to? This is more of a statement, a sigh of resignation, or perhaps a way of lamenting the lack of congruence between how the world is and how we know it should be. I mean, right, we look at the present state of affairs, and it's like there's a little referee inside our hearts that blows his whistle and throws his flag. No, he screams, penalty, out of bounds. This is not the way things should be. What is the world coming to? When I hear people say this, I See it as a simple way of saying something that I imagine is true for all of us, which is that we want more. I see this as the deepest yearning of our soul, and that's a deep burning desire for something more, more than what we see, more than what we read in the news, more than how the world is at the present moment. We want the more of how we know the world should be. And what I'm present to in my own soul, especially as we lean into this very significant cultural moment, is that something inside our heart has woken up. Here we are, many of us sheltering in place, wanting to go get groceries, but maybe a little scared to get out, feeling perhaps a little stuck at the moment, sitting and feeling this deep desire we have for something more. And so with that said, to explore this desire for more we all carry in our soul, I want to share my favorite passage from the book of Revelation. A reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning 
and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Here ends the reading. It is a beautiful reading, and I hope that in pondering these words, you'll find balm for your soul, because I know that we are all concerned. We are nervous about our health, about our parents' health, about our jobs, our savings, our kids who aren't in school right now. We're also lonely, and we miss each other. We wonder when we can gather again as a church family and receive the body and blood of Christ when we can pass the peace without fear of infection. We're concerned for how things are at the moment and perhaps fearful that what we had just three weeks ago will not return as quickly as we'd like. And this has left us wanting more, more for our world, more for the homeless, more for our health workers, and honestly, more for ourselves. And so here's the first thing I'd like to say about that. Pay attention to this yearning for more that is awake within you right now. Don't be afraid of that longing, even if it is painful, because that inner ache, it comes from God. It's the Spirit of God groaning with eager longing in the depths of your own being. And so listen to this desire of your soul, this yearning you have for wholeness and peace and harmony and security. Listen with every fiber of your being, and you'll find that what you're feeling is actually the deepest desire of the human heart, something we all share as human beings, and thus something that will connect you to the rest of the human family at this moment. And I do want to note, it doesn't take a worldwide pandemic to put us in touch with this desire for more, because the truth is, just about anything can spark this thirst, this profound sense that things as they are now are not exactly right. We get in a fight with our best friend, someone we love dies, we get sick or we get anxious or We don't measure up to what people expect. No, it doesn't take a pandemic to wake us up. Just a willingness to be mindful of our inner space and the courage to engage this world with eyes wide open because when we do that, we feel this painful ache within, this longing, this dream we all share as human beings for something more. And when we feel that ache, that longing, that desire for more, it is only natural that we start to ask some questions. Will the world always be this way? Will it be rescued? Will we be rescued? These are the questions that I have been bringing to God in prayer. And as I've sat in silence and held you in my heart this week, I was drawn to a very funny detail in the passage we just heard read where John the seer speaks of a time in the future where the sea is no more. What a funny thing for the Bible to say that when Jesus returns, the sea will be no more. I mean, what's so wrong with the sea that God wishes to one day abolish it altogether? After all, we were baptized in water. Water is an obvious symbol for new life. But what we sometimes forget is that water can also be a symbol of death. 
It was a flood that destroyed the creation in the days of Noah, a sea that swallowed the Egyptian army. Or consider David's prayer in Psalm 69, Save me, O God, for the waters have risen up to my neck. And so is water a symbol of new life? Yes, but as many New Testament scholars are quick to point out, in the Bible, the sea is a metaphor for chaos and destruction and death and darkness. The sea is a symbol for what stalks us and makes us feel small and always longing for something more. I mean, right, there's a reason that two of the most powerful images in Scripture have to do with Jesus Christ walking on the sea and in a different passage commanding the stormy sea to be calm. Who is this, the disciples ask, that even the wind and the sea obey? Because in the Bible, the sea obeys no one. Because the sea is that place in your life that can't be tamed or controlled or predicted. It's a literal and metaphorical flood that turns your life upside down and slaps you around and leaves you wanting, begging, yearning, praying for something more. C.S. Lewis was such an articulate Christian writer, and he argues that our thirst for something more tells us something profound about why we exist. And this is what he writes about that in Mere Christianity. We are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. People feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So here's the reason I wanted to share this passage from the book of Revelation. It gives us an honest, theologically grounded, and hopeful answer to that question we started with, what's the world coming to? And the answer we're given is something so astounding. What's the world coming to? It's coming to a glorious, God-driven, Spirit-inspired end. See, the home of God is among mortals, the author says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And so today, I just want us to be reminded of that wonderful world that God created us for and that God will one day fully bring into being. We call it the kingdom of God. And at the moment, this kingdom is with us only in a partial and mysterious way. But a day is surely coming when the kingdom of God will be revealed in all of its fullness. And so with that said, here's the question I want you to pray through this week. When the sea descends upon us, and we know that we're not in control, and though we cling with all our might, and we can't hold on, and we suffer loss, can we grieve appropriately, but not, as Paul says, as those who have no hope? Can we suffer loss and not succumb to bitterness? Can we feel afraid and not be driven by fear? 
can we long for more, but rather than grasping or competing or fighting or blaming to fulfill that longing in our own twisted way, can we as God's holy people just wait and trust and pray and worship, albeit online, as we welcome the rest of the world into that posture of holy waiting with us? Because we do believe that a new world is on its way. We don't know when, we don't know how, but what we do know is that we long for more because God created us for more, and that eye has not seen nor ear heard the good things God has in store for this world. And I would submit that what happens whenever we keep this vision before us is that we start to embody now what will be later. We become individuals in a church through whom life is given to the world, people of compassion and empathy and love and generosity. And so here's my prayer. May we never forget that this world is heading somewhere marvelous. It will be rescued. We will be rescued. You will be rescued. And so my hope is that we can all remain mindful of our inner space this week and receive the courage we need from God to engage this world with eyes wide open and with heart wide open so that we become not just the rescued, but part of the rescue team, people who partner with Jesus in God's work of making all things new, and who invite the world to pray, wait, work, love, sing, and dance amidst the storm as a way of bearing witness to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who even the sea must obey. Let us pray. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.